The name Camp Kirkman, uh, Kirkland is associated with orchestra. He is Mr. Southern Baptist Orchestra, so it's our great uh, privilege to have him with us today. Brother Camp, what a great privilege it is, and we thank you, and thank you, thank the Lord for what you've done uh, throughout uh, uh, all of our churches in uh, he has just challenged and harbor and uh, encouraged uh, churches, uh, harbored the whole concept and nurtured the concept of uh, church orchestra, and God has blessed that and used that. That is His uh, arrangement of the King is coming, and uh, my, what a grand way to take us to glory, and, uh, and maybe let's just stay there for a while. And then you also heard Tracy Morris, who is our new music secretary, sing, He is Able. And before that, between the services, you saw the three sons of Marjorie and Kenneth Smith, and they played and sang for you. They're, you ought to hear that bluegrass team taught by the family. Uh, they do a great job, and uh, we wanted you to hear a little of their ministry too. I invite your attention to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. We continue through the book of Proverbs, and I want you to look at, at a verse that is known by all of you probably at least the majority are aware of the verse. If I were to read it, and when I read it, you will say, oh, yes, I know that verse. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now I want to speak to you on how to guard your heart. But immediately I want to challenge your political correctness, your biblical correctness. Because for most of us, this concept is that if we guard or keep our hearts with all diligence, we will be very careful as to what goes into the heart. In fact, we're taught that from our earliest days. When I was a boy, I was taught, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And be careful, little ears, what you hear. But that is not what this verse says at all. Keep your heart with all diligence, not making an issue out of what goes in, but making an issue of what comes out. For, he doesn't say whatever goes in comes out. He says, as a matter of fact, for out of it are the issues of life. I read that in maybe four or five translations. Took the Hebrew, went through that, looked at the words. Out of it flow the springs of life out of your heart. And you have a fascinating comment by Jesus, which gives you insight to the meaning of this in Mark chapter 15. And so turn with me for that. Hold your hand here in Proverbs, but turn with me to Mark chapter 15. And let Jesus give an exposition of that. In verse 10 of Matthew 15, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. Not what goes into a man defiles a man, not what goes into the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth, defi this defiles a man. 
And they said, well, you've really offended the Pharisees. You're in deep weeds, Jesus, because they're upset, because they're very legalistic and rigorously set about how you've got to wash your hands and don't even touch a Gentile and eat without washing your hands again. And Jesus' answer in verse 13 is, every plant which my heavenly Father has planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. That's in verse 14. And Peter said, well, explain this to us. Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the, what's the word, class? Come from the heart. Oh. So you mean to tell me it's not what goes in, but it's what comes out because it proceeds from the heart? They defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. That's a fascinating passage. Obviously, we must give some thought about what we put into our bodies. But Jesus said, I have developed a mechanism when your body was created that will take what you don't need and eliminate that so that it protects you and it's what comes out that, defi that is defiled, not what goes in. And if that's true physically of the body, now you understand why Proverbs 4 says, keep your heart with all diligence and watch very closely what goes into it. That's not at all what it says. It says, guard your heart with all diligence and guard what comes out. We used to have a man on our housekeeping staff who I guessed he weighed 230 or 40 pounds, but I was corrected in the 8 o'clock service. He weighed 300 pounds. And uh, I won't call his name lest he's watching or he sees this on TV, but his last name was Smith. It's interesting. But anyway, that man could eat a half a pound of bacon and four eggs for breakfast three pork chops and a bunch of French fries for lunch, all with cheese on them, two fatty ribeye steaks for supper, and then get his cholesterol count checked, and it'd be 104. Now, I want to tell you, if you don't understand it yet, understand it now, life is not fair. I can look at a French fry, and I'm over 300. All I have to do is look at it. I believe in miracles because I can eat Four ounces of something and gain three pounds. I believe in miracles. Miracles are not a problem to me. And see, what Jesus is saying, that's true of the body, and it's analogously true of the heart. God has built in safety measures and safety mechanisms so that we don't have to reflect everything that comes out of the heart. If somebody says, I can't help feeling this way, I can't help acting this way. Now, that's absolute nonsense. What Jesus is saying, and there are several things here I would call to your attention. He is saying, first of all, that we may not be accountable for what goes in, but we are accountable for what comes out of our hearts. 
I cannot always control what I hear. You cannot always control what you hear. I am telling you, in an information age where you have a thousand messages coming at you, they're on billboards, they're on television, they're on radio. They're accidentally on your screen, the screen of your computer. They're everywhere. You've got bang, 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 bang messages. You cannot always be in control of what goes into your heart. But you can be in control of what comes out of your heart. That's why the Proverbs writer says, keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the springs of life. And I am accountable for what I do, but I'm not always accountable for what I see and hear, but I can, I can control how it affects me. Amen? Now, do you understand that? Because that's a radically different concept from the way we normally see this, this uh, verse. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't restrict what your children see on television or what movies they, they go to. I'm just telling you that is not the overruling factor. We can argue all we want to about the force of television, and I believe that the violence on television has a fantastic influence on young people. But I think just as important is the fact that we have taught our children, we have built a no-fault society, and we have taught our children they're not always responsible for what they do. They can't help it, and so they feel unaccountable in life. Unaccountable. Secondly, God has created a process for cleansing. And there's a process spiritually whereby if I take in something, I don't have to always let it out. And that's the process that I'm after today. That's the process that's outlined in Proverbs 2, 3, and 4. I don't, just because I hear somebody use the word damn doesn't mean I have to use the word damn. And just because I hear somebody use the Lord's name in vain, I don't have to use the Lord's name in vain. God has built into me a process for cleansing and victory, and I am accountable for what comes out of me. And you are accountable for what comes out of you, and no amount of excuse and no amount of no-fault morality is going to change the fact that you're going to answer for what comes out of your mouth because it comes from the heart. And when Jesus said, this comes out of the heart, he talked about things like thoughts, I'm in control. Like adulteries, you're in control. Fornications, you're in control. False witness, you're in control. You're accountable for all of those. The third thing I should say about this concept is that testimony is determined by our fruit, not our food. Testimony is determined by what comes out of us, not what goes into us. What is the person like in the heart? I remember the first movie I ever went to. I had been taught that all movies were wrong. I looked up and down to see if anybody was watching. I bought the ticket. My heart was beating 135. I looked around the lobby to see if anybody was watching. I walked up to the gate. The man was in a uniform. I gave him my ticket. I thought the roof was going to collapse, and I was going straight into the pit of hell right then at that moment. And I went on into the theater, and guess what movie was showing? It was The Robe, the story of the crucifixion. <laughs> I mean, there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it was a wonderful, in fact, I had tears in my eyes when I came out. And I, it just reminds me how important it is for us to understand that it's, that it's more critical what comes out of us than what goes into us. And uh, I want us to examine the book 
of Proverbs in light of that for a few moments. Chapter 2. There are four things that we must do, four things involved in that process of cleansing, four things the heart must do to keep your heart with diligence and be accountable for what comes out. Are you ready? The first is in chapter 2, and I call this the hunger for God's instruction. If a heart is going to guard itself, and if a heart's going to control what comes out, then you've got to have a quality control, and the quality control is the Word of God. Now, listen to the language, verse 1, chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your heart to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding, seek her as silver, search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. There's the first defense. We must hunger for God's instruction. And note the verbs, my son, if you receive my words. This does not mean I'm just memorizing Hosea, Joel, and Amos, that they come after each other in the Old Testament prophets. If I receive God's words... See, this is the second my son passage. The first my son passage is chapter 1, verse 8. The second my son passage is chapter 2, verse 1. It's the nature of a father to pass on and the responsibility of a father to pass on wisdom to the children. So if you receive my words and treasure, look at the verbs. Underline the verbs in your Bible. Treasure my commands within you within you. They have to be in your heart. There has to be a heart hunger. There has to be something more than just Bible study. You've got to understand something more than just a, a sterile definition of the sovereignty of God. I've got to have God's instructions and commands in my heart. They must be digested so that they can help process and prevent coming out what would defile my testimony in the name of Christ incline your ear to wisdom. Listen with the ears of your heart. Apply your heart to understanding. Cry out for discernment. Lift up your voice for understanding. Seek her as silver. Search for her as for hidden treasures. Listen to what he's saying. This is the way we understand God keeps the heart. There must be a heart hunger for God's instruction. It's not a passive guarding. It's not a passive keeping of the heart. It is an active guarding, an active keeping. I am actively searching everything that goes out of my life so that I can keep what flows out of the springs of my heart. Notice, if you will, the relationship in verse 5. You will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And all throughout the book of Proverbs, that is a theme over and over again. If you fear God and you have awesome respect for God, then you are best likely to know God. The knowledge of God is tied to the fear of God. And when I, my heart is filled with instruction and it is mine, then I'm more likely to have ongoing interaction with God and know Him. For to know God in his awesomeness is to fear him. And to fear God in his awesomeness and respect him 
is to know him. I don't know if it's going to be possible for people much who grow up without any kind of respect for anybody to have much respect for God because respect is almost like authority. If I don't, if I don't honor the authority of the state and I don't honor the authority of my parents, how am I going to honor the authority of Almighty God? If I don't respect my mother and father, if I don't respect people around me, if I have no respect for leaders, if I have no respect for others who are farther down the pilgrimage than I, then I'm probably not going to have much respect for God. And the writer of Proverbs wants to say there's a distinct correlation between knowing God and respecting or fearing God. And you would be best to teach your children not just the essence of the knowledge of the Bible or a knowledge of God, but a personal walk with God to respect Him and fear Him for out of the heart come the issues or the springs of life. But there's a second thing here in chapter 2, and that is that the heart must submit to God's protection. It not only must hunger for God's instruction, it must submit to God's protection. Now, chapter 2, verse 7, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, he is a shield to those who walk uprightly, and he is guarding the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. Boy, the writer of Proverbs is saying, look at here. There are paths to choose all along life, but God guards the paths of justice. That's because they most reflect his character. You can go to Pilot Mountain and they'll say, this is an unauthorized trail. That means nobody's guarding that path. Do not use this trail. But here's a trail with a sign that says, this is an authorized path. You can use that trail. Somebody comes along and checks that trail. You see, what he's saying is, the man who guards his heart walks the paths of justice because God preserves those paths. He keeps them up. He companies with them. In an age when we're hearing all of these things and everybody else is doing everything else, there is the clarion call of wisdom, which is the attribute of God, which says, listen, God guards the paths of justice, and thus, by guarding the paths that He, that reflect His character, He preserves His saints. I think that is a promise. If I walk in the paths of equity and justice and righteousness, then I have a right to expect that God will preserve me. Nexters and busters are asking the question, if I live uprightly, will God take care of me? Sooner or later will right prevail. And the answer and the promise of Proverbs is yes, 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 a thousand times yes. He stores up, verse 7, sound wisdom for the upright, and he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Don't be tainted by somebody who takes you down a path that God doesn't guard. You want to ask yourself the question, does God protect this path? Does God protect this kind of lifestyle? Does God protect this? Because the heart must submit to God's protection. And then he says, Verse 10, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Isn't that a neat word? 
The Hebrew word could be translated wise planning. You remember last week we talked about the ants who lay away food for the, uh, in the summer and they store it up because they're wise. And so it is. Discretion or wise planning will preserve you. Understanding will keep you safe and deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. So if I'm exposed to perversity and I hear it, I can't just automatically turn it off. It's in my, I happen to hear it. I was in the process of life. God doesn't want us all to go to monasteries so that we protect everything that goes in. But he gives us a cleansing process in the heart so that what goes in is purified and discarded and eliminated. And God guards the path that way. That's the way he does it. Listen to this promise again. If discretion preserves us, it it will preserve us because it will deliver us from the way of the evil man and from the man who speaks perverse things. There's the principle at work right there. So let me walk in equity in every smooth, straight path, the Hebrew word, in justice, in righteousness, and stay away from the man who walks perversely. You may not even want to do business with a man who walks unjustly. You may not even want to, to, uh, you certainly wouldn't want to be a partner with him, but you may not want to be even associate. You want to make sure that you are submitted to God's protection by walking the paths that you know God protects you on. Did your parents ever tell you when you first got your driver's license? Now, when you come home from town, always come this way because it's a safer way and an easier way And if you have any trouble, somebody will be there to help you. That's what the writer of Proverbs means. Take the path of justice which God preserves and guards, and thus you submit your heart to God's protection. The third thing is that the heart must accept God's direction. Now go to chapter 3 and verse 5. How does God direct the heart? How does he? You know this one. Nearly everybody here has memorized this. See if you can say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him. And what will he do to your paths? He shall direct your paths. There it is. So the heart must hunger for God's instruction. It must submit to God's protection. But it must accept God's direction. Now the chapter lays down ten basic commandments of heart qualities which God wants, by which he wants to direct your paths. Now, you don't want to miss those. Take that third chapter sometime this week and read it over and over again. But let me listen to you. Are you ready? Here are the ten commandments for direction. The first is loyalty, verse 3. Let not mercy, that's really loyal faithfulness, that's what it is, be loyal to God. Now, if you're loyal, you accept God's direction. One of the ways we protect what goes out of our hearts is that we are primarily loyal to God. Secondly, let mercy and truth, and the word truth can be translated perhaps better, kindness. So mercy is one of the directions God gives my path. Kindness is a direction. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Humility is one of the directions by which God protects my heart and the things that come out of it. So it's loyalty, kindness, humility, 
the next commandment would be in verse 7, fear or respect the Lord and depart from evil. It's a respect for God. Fear the Lord. Fourth is, or fifth is, honor God. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase and your barns will be filled with plenty, your vats will overflow with new wine. So that's another direction of the commandment is to honor God. And as I honor God, that becomes a heart character and it guards what comes out of my heart because the honor of God with my material things is one of God's commandments for direction. How about verse 11? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Now, another one of God's commandments for direction is discipline. That's a, that's a heart character. That's a characteristic of the heart, is that I'm open to discipline. My father is 85 years old, and he still loves to tell me what to do at my age, which you're not going to find out. <laughs> but, but I want to tell him some things to do also. <laughs> I like to tell him, on the other hand. But if I learn correction, and I learn that it is a heart matter, that openness to correction, which is spoken of probably 20 times in the book of Proverbs, being open to reproach, that's one of the heart characteristics by which God directs my path and your path. How can he direct your path if you're not open to discipline, is what he's saying. Verse 27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Don't say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I'll, let, I'll buy you a hamburger. If he's hungry and you have the power to do it, he said, do it now. That's generosity. By the way, that's different from honoring the Lord with your substance. That means every day, look for somebody that you can give something to. And, and, and what, what is intriguing to me in verse 27 is that if I, if I see somebody who has a need and I don't give it to them, the writer of Proverbs considered that it was due them. I have cheated them by not giving them what they need. And so a, a heart characteristic that God honors to protect the heart is that of, of uh, generosity. Look in verse 29. Don't plot evil against your neighbor. Be careful. And why? Because, verse, uh, uh, because in verse, the, the second part of that verse, verse 29, he dwells by you for safety's sake. You may need your neighbor to protect you, and your neighbor will need you to protect him. So don't drive a wall between you and your neighbor and plot against him because he's a part of your security. Now watch. These are commandments by which we guard what comes out of our hearts and live the life of wisdom honoring to God. And then he says, don't make false accusations. Verse 30, do not strive with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. Most embarrassing thing is to accuse somebody of something only to find that he, he or she didn't do it at all. Somebody else did it. All of us have been in that. And verse 31, do not envy the oppressor and do not copy any of the violent man's ways is a better way to translate that. Don't copy violence. There are your ten commandments for God's direction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And they become filters by which God directs your path 
and measures and guards what comes out of you, which is what defiles you. I must hurry to a conclusion here, but let me show you the fourth thing. Chapter 4, verse 18. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. But the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. The fourth thing that the heart must do if the heart is to guard itself diligently is to anticipate God's perfection. It is God's goal to grow every one of us like the day matures until the sun is perfectly at noon, high noon, and giving its maximum rays to the earth. I wish you could have been with me the other morning, one morning this week. It was a bright, clear morning. I was headed toward the east and uh, just past Ivy Stack's house. And first I saw the brightness. There was just a brightness. And then I saw a little bit of orange. And then you see all of a sudden, it seems like it comes so quickly, that sun has risen and it starts the day. And later in the day when I went out, there it was high in the sky in the middle of the day. And I thought, that's the way it is with God. A day is like the Christian life. Listen to what he says. The path of the just is like the shining sun. It starts small, but we keep growing and growing and growing. The heart that is able to guard what comes out of it is the heart that is growing. It is moving somewhere. All growth occurs during divine tension in the life. Here is my sober view of reality, and here is the vision that God gave me out of a burden. God lays a burden and creates a vision. Now, the vision is the picture of what God wants in the future. Now, this is true of an institution. It's true of an organization, it's true of a business, it's true of a family, it's true of a person. Until there is created a divine tension between where God wants to take you and where you are, a sober confession about where you are, there is no divine tension which causes you to grow. That's what, what, what creates the tension for growth, spiritual growth. I'm tired of being weak in my praying, and God creates a vision in me of a quiet time every morning, and that vision creates a divine tension because right now I know I'm failing. Right here, right now, I know I'm failing, and so there's a divine tension, and I can either lower my vision or I've got to raise the reality, and the Spirit of God creates that divine tension to pull us to where He wants us to be. That's the way we grow. That's the way we grow in knowing Christ. That's the way we grow in soul winning. That's the way we grow in prayer. That's the way we grow in giving. God creates that divine tension. That's the way a company grows. That's the way a church grows. If there's nobody ever doing any, any envisioning, there'll be no tension to pull up, to create the growth. That's when Isaiah stood in the temple. He said, woe is me, I am undone and I am a man of unclean lips. And God gave him a vision of holiness. And suddenly there was a divine tension created in Isaiah's life. And Isaiah said, oh my, I've got, to, I've got to let God pull me from here to here. That's what the writer of Proverbs is getting at. The Christian life 
is like a shining sun that is moving towards a perfect day. And that's what God wants to do in our lives, move us to perfection, to maturity. If you're not growing, something is wrong. You will never keep your heart with all diligence if you're satisfied with the status quo in the Christian life. Period. Poot. I want to ask you, are you farther along in your prayer life than you were three years ago? I want to ask you, where's the divine tension in your life right now? Where's the divine pull for you to change? Where's the divine come? Where's the divine grab? Where's the divine grasp? Where is he saying to you, here's where you are. I want you to come up to here. That's what creates hope. That's what keeps us going. The Christian life is like a shining light. It's like a day where the sun keeps shining brighter and brighter and brighter. And notice the writer compares it with the darkness of the night. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. And so it is with the church. If we ever stop dreaming about what God wants us to become, we will lose the divine tension between what we are and there'll never be any divine pull to make us any butter. You know, I used to fight against tension in my life. I used to fight against pressure, and I saw it all as bad. But I have come to believe that those are my growth points. And when God creates a divine tension and I'm very dissatisfied with myself in this area, God is saying, here's a vision of where I want you to be, and I want you to come up to here through my power, through my word, through my strength. And that's the way we guard our hearts. That's the way we guard what comes out of the heart. That's the way we keep our hearts with all diligence. Because out of it flow the springs of life. What I say, what I think comes out of the heart. And the heart must have a hunger for God's instruction. It must Submit to God's protection, accept God's direction, and anticipate God's perfection. God's taking you somewhere. What I want the Holy Spirit to do in your life and mine right now is to say, here's where the divine tension is. Here's where God's giving me a burden. And because he's giving me a burden, he'll give me a vision for what he wants me to become. This is where I want to grow. This is where I want God to make me a wise man or a wise woman or a wise young person so that he can direct my paths. And my life will be a shining light for him. Amen and amen. Let's stand in prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God. And I pray just now that the Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and speak to the life, the heart of someone who is confused and battered by all the voices they've heard. Here is pleasure calling here. Here are riches calling over there. Here is lustful things calling over here. Here are some friends who are going an evil way calling over there. And I ask, Father, that you will give us direction in our hearts right now and give us a desire for you so that we will have the tools to guard our hearts with diligence and protect what comes out of us.
that's the man or the woman, the boy or girl whom you're going to bless with great blessing and protection and riches that are far more than physical or material. Speak to each of us in Jesus' name. And while our heads are bowed for just a moment, I want you to clear out all distractions in your mind. Will you ask the Father, do you know for sure that you've been saved, that Christ who went to the cross for you has been accepted and received? He will come into your heart and give you eyes and ears to your heart so that you can see and hear, understand spiritual truth, and start growing. And I want to ask you, has God put his finger on something, a divine tension in your life where you need to grow, where you haven't been growing? Is there a need for you to make a new commitment to guard your heart with all diligence? Because what's been coming out has not been honoring to the Lord lately. And it has set a bad testimony, a bad pace for you. And the devil, see, once he gets you started, we're to the point where you don't worry about what comes out of your life. He will discourage you and thwart you and depress you and make you feel like you're no good and you can never do any better. And this passage says, yes, you can in the name of God, for the glory of God, with the wisdom of God, He will forgive you, cleanse you, and start rearranging your heart so that what comes out of your heart can be much better. Now, Father, speak to each of us for Jesus' sake. Amen.